Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Staging the Archive. My name's Claire, I'm one of the APGRD archivists and today we have three special guests here to discuss a new and exciting project that is very much representative of the time we're currently living in. Uh, for those of you listening to this further down the line, we're recording in summer 2020, so after several months of global lockdown. The project in question is Reading Greek Tragedy Online, a weekly series of scene readings and discussions presented by Harvard's Centre for Hellenic Studies, the Cosmos Society and Out of Chaos Theatre. The project is aiming to encompass all of the Greek tragedies we have and a few other plays besides, we'll talk about that later. We're about halfway through the project currently, so a really good time to catch up with a few members of the team behind it and get an idea of their process. Our three guests today are Paul Omani, Joel Christensen and Lana Coley. Paul is an actor, director, writer and producer. He is the artistic director of Out of Chaos. Joel is Chair of Classical Studies at Brandeis University and the host of this series. And Lana is the Fellowship Manager at the Centre for Hellenic Studies and Executive Producer for the series. I'll hand over to our guests in a moment, but firstly I'd like to introduce the archive items that they'll be using to start their discussion today. For each week's tragedy, the team have been putting together a series of wonderful posters, actually designed, I've discovered, by Lana's husband, John Coley. You might have seen them circulated around online. And for today's discussion, they've selected two posters in particular, those from Trojan Women and Women of Trachis. You can see them yourself on the podcast page of the APGRD website. So perhaps that's a good place to begin looking at that particular choice of plays and the process behind the project more generally. Joel, perhaps you could start. So one of the things I really enjoy about being the host of the show is I get to see the posters a few days before the performance itself. Um, and uh, I'm always surprised as well, with, along with everybody else, um, at what's on them. I mean, they do emerge in part from our discussions, um, but John and Lana and Ali, who helps out, are really creative. Um, and one of the great parts about the series um, is that there, you know, there, there's a theme throughout. The lettering, the coloring, the simplicity um, has been the same through the beginning. And I think that the images work really well in the digital space. So they pop on Twitter and Facebook, um, but they're also, I mean, they're beautiful um, and really professional. And we're lucky to have the sort of visual design scheme that we do. Yeah, and and, um, and this is Paul here. And I'd say, and I'd kind of echo part of what Joel was saying as well, is that it's a really amazing part of the, of the week, of the, of the cycle of sort of um, these productions, which are pretty kind of relentless in a good way. Um, but actually sort of, you know, on, on, you know, normally on a Monday, sort of seeing the poster for the first time, occasionally with some glimpses in advance. Um, and it's just a really lovely kind of um, pickup at the beginning of the week, actually, in terms of sort of then launching into Wednesday and getting the, getting everything rehearsed in time for performance when it comes round. And it's been a really lovely aspect of putting this whole project together because everything happened so incredibly quickly. And actually, it's sort of amazing looking back on it at this point already, kind of thinking about how how brilliant it was that sort of that some of that design work started to come in sort of right from the very beginning and then very quickly sort of developed in the same way, I think, that sort of, you know, the, the structure of the episodes and the what we're doing with the performance is sort of developing as well. That it's all kind of going hand in hand and taking us in 
to places that we maybe weren't expecting when we started out. So Paul, maybe it's unfair for us to just sort of be referring obliquely to how it all started out. Do we want to go back to sort of the first episode and how this all came together? Because sometimes I forget. So people ask me, well, how'd you get to be the host on this? I'm like, well, Lana gave me the title and I'm not quite sure how we brought it before then. So I don't know, maybe maybe just for us, because it's, we never actually talked about it. How did we come together for that first meeting? Lana, what, what do you remember? I remember Paul submitting, writing me an email and saying, hey, you know, this is an idea I have. Do you think this is something we could do? And I was in a state of mind where I had just been canceling tons of things that I had been working on for months and I, I had no idea what the next couple of months were going to look like. I felt very bereft and uh, so this was like a ray of light of something I could throw myself into and I had when I reached out to some co-workers about it Paul and I kind of worked on a proposal. Paul did most of the work and I you know submitted it to the center. Other co-workers mentioned that Joel you had been in touch with Keith, Keith DeStone at the Cosmos Society which is an outreach project of the Center for Hellenic Studies, and uh, that, that you, you were thinking of an idea, but I never really got to ask you what, you were, what your thought at that time had been, but it was sort of like, let's all get together on Zoom and see what happens, and, and you just sort of emerged from the mist as the man who should host everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, really what happened, I, I mean, along with the rest of the world, is I was sitting around in March, bereaved, like you said, Lana, and thinking, well, what are ways that we can create community? What are ways I can get back what I've lost, right? And also, how am I gonna spend my time at home? And so I had this idea that we'd do a Greek reading group online with the Iliad, and that we'd do a book a week as a discussion group, and I'd have Homerists come and talk every week. So that was my idea, and I reached out to Keith about it, He's like, yeah, that sounds great, but we're doing something with Paul. And I know Paul in the center, and he said, well, why don't you come to this Zoom meeting with Paul and Lana, and let's see what happens. I was like, okay, I'll show up. Um, and then I showed up at the meeting. And what I remember from the meeting is all of us saying different things and somehow coming down to the basic plan of that first play. And I'm embarrassed. I don't even remember. What was the first play we did? Helen. Helen, right. So um, we had a plan and then we just executed it. Paul, how much of that, the plan that we started with was already in your head? Um, it, do you know what? It, it's, it's really interesting kind of looking at it now because even only four months on, it just shows the unreliability of memory. Because um, <laughs> in my head, it was always going to be like this, but actually that's just, not, that's just not the case. And it was, I think it was a really amazing kind of happy coming together of people with you appearing ex machina. And also it was just like a really lovely sort of, the CHS was kind of a hub for everyone, wasn't it really? And I'd been there a couple of times as a visiting artist over the years. And so new line that way. And I'd met you through connections with the CHS as well. And my intention just like yours was with the Iliad reading group as well, was thinking about building a community because we were all there kind of going into lockdown and it suddenly occurred to me that actually it was suddenly as easy to organize something with people 5,000 miles away as it was with my next door neighbor. And it felt like a really lovely opportunity for us, you know, to take some opportunity out of anyway, like a, a chance for us to, to actually start building sort of an international community of people getting together and reading plays and 
discovering things within them and at that point didn't kind of quite know what connections there might be and how we might then sort of link it into the situation that we were in at that point and it all just came together so quickly because and this is sort of my memory that maybe sort of it was on the Friday or something or that, that Lana you and I were sort of briefly in touch and then yes but if it was sort of cobbled together I, I, I did the cobbling you know some cobbling and you did you did proper work in putting together the the proposal and then we had a we sort of agreed the proposal on the Monday we had a, a meeting on the Tuesday and then said okay so should we do this tomorrow then and everyone went <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, let's do it tomorrow. And I remember, I remember leaving that Zoom call saying, I better go because I need to find some actors. And then just going off and, find, and sort of finding, you know, some brilliant people who have stayed with the project, you know, like Evie Miller, like Eunice Roberts, um, brilliant people who have now kind of done several, I mean, sort of, you know, a dozen probably um, for Evie. And, and I suppose, and, Hel and I don't know, why, why did we choose Helen? I can't actually... Oh, that was me, I think. Um, so as my, in my memory, it was on a Tuesday or Monday and we got together and immediately I knew Paul had a better idea than I had because mine was really boring. Like, let's have Homerists come and talk to people about Homer, which is interesting for me, but I don't know if it would have been interesting for other people. And then Paul said, hey, I'm going to have actors come and read these parts. And at first I was skeptical. I'm like, well, who wants to do that? And then like the energy at the meeting, I don't know what happened. Right. But during that, I think we met for not even an hour, but it came from, hey, we could do this too. We have to do this tomorrow. And I, I think I put the Helen in there because it's a little weird. People don't usually read it that often. And it's really interesting and fun, even though it's a tragedy. And so my thought was, well, this is going to be a dry run and it'll be a fun play to do. And if we fall on our faces, um, not that many people are going to care about us messing up the Helen. Whereas if you start with Oedipus or Bacchae, there's a lot of expectation there. Um, so yeah, it was like a Monday or Tuesday and we met on the following day and it's the only one we didn't broadcast live um, because we didn't know if we were gonna mess it up or not. But from that first episode, I mean, Paul brought together, has, has brought together an amazing cast of, of actors and Evelyn uh, and Eunice were just transcendent. I mean, and the discussion that we had was amazing. Just talking to the actors about their parts and the context and also just sort of being human together in really inhuman times was just an amazing experience. And I think that at that moment, I was certain that we were going to keep doing it. And Paul announced that we we're going to do all of the plays. And to be <laughs> honest, when he said it, I thought he was just kidding. I thought he was just messing with me. But this whole project has had this sort of like uh, teleological logic to it. Like as soon as we started, it had to be done. So by the next week, like Lana and Paul were outlining a schedule for the rest of the year. Or am I skipping a step there, guys? Or is that, did it go that fast? It's, it said it was, was pretty fast. Yeah, I think we'd, we'd, certainly after that first week, we were already kind of, there was already sort of a couple of months because you'd reached out to some brilliant academics. And, uh, and Joel, I know you would have been sort of, integral with that as well. So there was already kind of, uh, I think remember there was already quite a few people sort of on board for, for joining for an episode. Yeah, I, I think we felt compelled that we just had to keep going. And in the same way that you both are mentioning community, for me, I was really excited to reach out to former fellows and, and people that I hadn't been in touch with in a long time and, and bring them on and see what they're doing. 
and we also wanted to, in, in the cases that the Cosmos Society had a translation, we wanted to feature the work that they had done. So that was something that we used with the Helen and what they do will, is take you know, out of copyright works and then they'll do some editing to highlight certain words. They'll put in a, the original Greek words so that readers can track how uh, ancient Greek specific keywords, how they're used in different ways. But yeah, I think once we saw how feasible it was that we had such excitement, we just wanted to keep going. And, I, and again, I'm amazed by how quickly and seamlessly it came together. There was no conflict. Like we're, we're all so good at communicating, I feel like, and it, we could just rapidly move through it without any obstacles, really. And I think part of that is that we knew we had very different roles that we were playing and we weren't ever trying to like take away from other people. I think part of what makes this project work is that we all just sort of dive into the work each week um, and trust one another, um, which is neat. And, you know, each week brings new challenges and a new guest, a different topic. Um, and, it, you know, it's intellectually stimulating as well. I'm thinking back to sort of like around, was it the second episode um, with, with Philoctetes? Um, where we really sort of got, you know, we got a new guest in, new actors, and we did it a second time, and it worked. And, I, and it was amazing learning from the actors, um, but also revisiting plays that, you know, I hadn't read in anywhere but academic settings, and also reading plays we hadn't read before, uh, for some of us. The Women of Trachis is one, the, that poster um, that we were just talking about. I hadn't actually ever read that play. Right, and I have a PhD in classics. Um, and we brought in Amy Pistone, who is all ready to have a fist fight about how awesome such a mediocre play is. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm hoping she'll listen sometime. And we get exactly. The argument. It, it sounds as though you may not read it again, Joe. <laughs> I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, there may be another plague in a few years where we do all this all again. But no, I think part of what's made each one so refreshing and fun is that we get an interesting mix of some of the same people, uh, but also new people coming in all the time, new voices from the academic side and new actors. Um, and I, I have no idea, Paul, how do you do it? How do you bring all these people in? Have you gotten like 40 actors or more so far? Yeah, there's been about 40 actors so far that have, um, that have appeared. So far they've been drawn from the, the UK, US, Greece, Mexico, Canada. Um, and we're sort of hoping sort of in the coming months as well to kind of really increase that. And I suppose a lot of a lot of the people that I brought in, certainly initially as well, were just people that I had worked with in the past who had either kind of done some work with um, Out of Chaos or because I work as a freelance actor, so I'd kind of met them in various different places. And a few of them had worked with a company called Actors from the London Stage, which is a company that's... Um, it's sort of a, as it, as it sounds, it's sort of a UK-based company in a way, but actually its home is Notre Dame in Indiana. And their thing is they do, they do five-hander Shakespeare's and tour them around American universities. And I've always been struck, I've done three tours with them, and I've always been struck by how brilliant it is for that kind of meeting of theatre and academia. And the idea of sort of putting aside a text and picking up a script and how sort of you just bring a very different perspective to it. And that's something that I really wanted to kind of encourage with this actually, was to, for us both to kind of, both sides to look at things in, in new ways and to be challenged about what a play might mean 
to certain people and because as actors we're always looking at it from our character's point of view rather than sort of the the overall kind of viewpoint and um and that's been a really lovely lovely part of it and then as i've as it's carried on the project then more people have heard about it um and so people have been um introduced by sort of other actors i used to live in greece and knew some people working in theater out there and they introduced um me to Agiris and Danai, who have already joined us a few times and will be joining us for more as well. And it's just been a really interesting process to bring that international ensemble together because it's something that would be very dif difficult sort of if we were doing this in a room and actually kind of assembling everyone would be really challenging. But actually right now, it's something that, that is possible. And I've always chosen people who, who I know can, can pick it up and just jump into it because it's not like we have a load of rehearsal time. There just isn't, there just isn't that, that scope for it. We just have to work pretty quickly. So it's, you're reliant on those people just being able to make really great, strong choices and play them out. And I think that for me, that's been the singularly most amazing thing about the process is the intelligence and compassion that the actors bring to the craft, even in this short turnaround time, has made me appreciate the depth of almost every character in the plays more. Um, so there's not a play whose uh, esteem has not gone up in my mind. And some of the minor ones have really just been made, you know, phenomenal by the process. So I just, I mocked the women of Trakas before, um, but really seeing that play perform and watching everybody, you know, breathe life into the characters made me appreciate how important that performance um, process is. Um, and I think that for me, it's almost like I'm getting a second PhD. I'm spending so much time reading these plays, looking at scholarships for them, uh, about them, uh, and then relearning them each time the performers take them on. It, when I teach tragedy again, this will definitely change the way I approach it altogether. Because, you know, most of the time when we teach it, we just read these dead things, right? And we talk about it, we skip the choruses, and we focus on like the characters we like the most, right? Not thinking about whether or not they would have been believable to everyone. That's something I'm so excited about that we've built, you know, an educational resource practically by having all of these recordings together. And I think it can change the way people teach these these works and that by bringing different researchers on I, it's amazing how successful that has been and the exchange that happens uh, between the actors and researchers and, and looking at things from different perspectives uh, that's something I've always I've always wanted to see happen and I'm so grateful that through the center uh, we you know I was able to facilitate a visiting artist program and that's how we got to know Paul and that's been an amazing way to, to build these uh, networks and collaborations. And another thing about this project that I don't know how well it will age in the future is sort of the timeliness of some of the plays and how much our discussions and experiences them of them are connected to things like the pandemic and um, the anti-racist protests going on in the U.S. Those conversations, I think, have been hard for us at times uh, to, to conduct successfully. Um, in the Zoom context, um, but especially at the beginning with the pandemic, we were all seeing the themes of bad leadership, of contagion, and of isolation in plays like Philoctetes. It's obviously an easy in Oedipus um, to see this, but even the discussion there, I think, deepened our understanding of Oedipus and showed how important 
you know, your political context is for the way you understand a play. And for me, that's something like there have been moments where like my heart's been racing, listening to the performances and talking to the actors about it. And I don't know if that experience can ever be replicated. So for us on this side um, of the screen when we're performing these, like it is, it's equally an, emo an emotional as well as an intellectual experience. Um, and I haven't said this enough to the group, but it's buoyed me over the past four months. It's given me something to do every week, even though I have plenty to do. Um, I look forward to it. And, you know, someday I would love, love to meet all these people in person. Um, but if I don't, I feel like I've, I've made a bunch of new friends um, and I've learned a lot from them. It's been really notable, actually, how um, a number of the actors have been in touch with me afterwards, saying that they've, just, they've been so hungry to perform and they've been sort of you know, starved of any performance for, for ages. And actually, even though this is in a different format than obviously what we would normally be doing, there's something actually that on a Wednesday evening then has become very alive for them. It has been a huge sort of creative outlet and, and boost like during this, this whole period. And, and likewise for me as well, it's been so amazing to kind of see things come together and, and introduce people. And it's been a real kind of thrill and sort of seeing those kind of connections start to, to kind of exist. And I've really loved how, yeah, sort of a lot of the, a lot of the actors are saying how, not only how much they've enjoyed it, but then how much they've enjoyed the discussion afterwards. Um, and there's been some nervousness sometimes in advance of that, kind of going, look, I don't know, you know, this is not my field of expertise. And I go, well, but actually it is your field of expertise because it's acting. That's what you're, you're there to offer that perspective. And that's something that other people don't know about. And actually it's amazing, as you were saying, Joel, then what new insight that brings to, to people who, who might know these plays sort of very intimately, but in sort of, in maybe slightly drier ways. I think slightly drier is a really kind way to put it. Right? <laughs> um, so I, I play a routine, or it's not a character, but the, a stance I take often in the episodes is I'm just a homerist. I have no idea what's going on here. Um, and I find that kind of useful. I'm always trying to like step outside of what I think I know, because part of what we see this as is outreach um, to communities who may not know the plays that well at all. And also to sort of defamiliarize ourselves with what we think we know. So when I teach Greek tragedy, I always mention, look, these are closer, these plays are closer to Bollywood musicals than they are to, you know, seeing Neil Simon or Eugene O'Neill on a stage. Um, there, there's spectacle, there's music, and there are performances um, that may or may not be like what we expect acting to be like. Like we, the, what we don't know is 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 huge. Um, so I think we sat, you know, we we sat down. We're always sitting down, but we set out to to figure out what can we learn about tragedy in this context and how can it be useful to people. And I think one of the things we've learned is that the individual voices and speeches are still really powerful, separate from the spectacle. And that watching them perform and talking about them uh, is so much more powerful than just reading them. So I think for like an audience who's watching the episodes, they'll learn a lot about sort of the history of Greek theater and some details about the plays. But I think what they may see the most is the life that can still be breathed into the plays by performances. And so that's, I mean, one of the reasons we keep experimenting is to see what we can do. You know, Paul keeps having people sort of push the performance constraints. And it was really important last week, in last week's episode where we did the core, we brought in some music and talked about the meter. 
um, because that's such an important part of the ancient Greek theatrical art. I think what's been so exciting about the project, and I'm sure Paul can say more about this, is the, the way the ways that it pushes theater in different directions. And so I feel like last week did do that with Sarah Valentine's like, incredible tech version of uh, the Ode to Man, and then bringing Bettina Joy de Guzman on to delight us with her lyre. Um, going back to what Joel was saying with, this, with the speeches, I mean, I think what's been exciting to see in Zoom is we all think of it as a very energy sucking medium, but that's only because of how people use it. There's ways that it's incredibly intimate. And I think there's, again, the chorus episode last week showed the that intensity uh, that can that can happen using the the foregrounding and backgrounding with with the laptop cameras, I know it, that's been very exciting for me to see. And I wish uh, more Zoom meetings would incorporate these aspects in them. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I've really enjoyed how we've tried to embrace it as much as as possible, and that we keep discovering new things about how how these performances can work. And I agree, Lana. I think there's just something about the very intense connection that you can have with someone um with the audience in this kind of environment where you can really be sort of you know you're right up in their face in a way that you would not be on stage and there's something kind of interesting to explore with that that works very well i think with the speeches and i think that with then some of the you know passages which have got you know which are more sort of stick in the theater and that but sometimes we've sort of been I suppose we have occasionally there's like the odd sort of technical sort of issue in terms of then there being a delay with that. But I think we're discovering new ways to tackle that as well. We stayed, we steered clear of gallery view for about three months. <laughs> we've, we've slowly embraced it. And actually, and, and mentioning Sarah Valentine, <clears throat> who was an amazing O to Man last week, it brings up another aspect, which I think is really exciting about the project, is how it's, is how it's kind of grown and how we've kind of met more people that along the way which has been really brilliant because Sarah got in touch with Joel about you know sort of in connection with this um and and then all of a sudden she's been performing with us a few times and will be doing much more I mean and, and then a big part of sort of what changed probably about six or so weeks in was um Emma Pauly got in touch with Joel on on Twitter um everyone gets in touch with Joel rather than me um, because obviously, obviously Joel is much friendlier than I am. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> but um, so Emma, Emma got in touch with Joel and and basically offered to, you know, to, to help in any way that she could and has then gone on to be an amazing help because um, up until that point, I'd been choosing all the passages and putting those all together and trying to find translations and whilst also casting and it was all kind of pretty manic. And now she's, she's, a, she's a dramaturg and has taken on that whole role of choosing the scenes she creates a fantastic pack that um, all of the actors get every week which gives the context of the play some information about each of the characters she creates audio fi audio files for each of the characters to help out with pronunciations of yeah. proper names within it that's just been a really lovely aspect that actually rather than us hunting for people rather than us hunting for people to, to help out actually a lot of people have been energized and infused by what they've seen and then got in touch and I think that the, the ethic behind what Paul's talking about is something that's not common in academic endeavors, typically. Uh, but we're talking about, it's sort of behind it is the idea of, the, of ensemble work, I think, and that we are all collaborating together and contributing to something. 
And so I think, Paul, it's not that you're less friendly than me, because that's certainly not the case. Um, but I have this ridiculous Twitter account, at Scent Antique, um, that has, I don't know, 36,000 followers at this point. Um, and I just blast out about the, the plays and performances, and I respond to people. Uh, my wife keeps warning me that eventually I'm going to respond to a crazy person online and invite crazy into our lives. But, I, you know, yeah. I take risks. But again, I, I think to understand like how this happened, we have to go back even farther. You know, Paul mentioned um, the actors from the London stage. That's how we originally met um, at UTSA when I was teaching there and maybe 2013 or so, 2014. And Paul just emailed me. He's like, you want to have coffee? I want to talk about classics. Now, a lot of people might ignore emails, but I like to talk and I like coffee. And I figured, why not? And so we met then and then again back when I moved here and he went to the center for Hellenic studies where I had been a fellow. And I really want to give the center um, a shout out because the center for Hellenic studies under Greg Naj has really emphasized partnerships and collaboration over the past few decades, which is really uncommon in academia. Um, and it's something that's been central to my career publishing and researching. And so when Paul reached out and said, you know, let's work together, Right. Um, that was easy for me. I'm like, I understand this. And then other people reach out and we just loop them in. We're like, sure, fine. Come in. Let's see what happens. Because the worst thing is that people won't do the work or they will, um, you know, maybe try to take over and we can just you know, shut them out. Right. Uh, but you don't win anything from not trying. And we kind of have a two part screening process. Like I talk to someone and then they Zoom with Paul. And if both of us think this might be OK, we're just like, let's go. And yeah, Emma has been amazing. Sarah's gone from being on email to performing. And we have other people cross the line, like Toph Marshall from UBC. He was one of our academic experts. Now he's a perform he was a performer. And it's been really fun to try out those different roles. It's exciting to see that, that crossover, sort of, of, uh, of like becoming a double threat. Both <laughs> you've got so, the, the acting and the academic credentials. So Paul, you're the man with the plan. I usually just make stuff up on the spot. Um, where do you think we're gonna go with this over the next six months and then the rest of our lives? <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're, we're gonna wear it like an albatross for the rest right. of our lives. That, that's, uh, we're not going anywhere. That's, what, that's the news for that. Um, and, then, and then in terms of where, in, in all seriousness, where we're gonna go in the next six months is, is a really interesting question to which I have, for which I have some ideas, but also because of that sense of it being an ensemble of so many people now being involved and so much creativity going into it, I'm really excited to find out exactly where it goes. We recently um, added um, Liz Fisher into kind of what we're doing as well. And she's sort of come on board and is really helping us sort of raise our game in terms of how we're approaching it from a, from a tech point of view, which is then opening up a lot of direction and possibilities. We're planning to do full length readings in addition to the Wednesday readings, because we feel like there isn't enough tragedy happening right now. And we should add some more. And actually as well, we're all, we recently did our first comedy and uh, I think we're kind of keen to add in a few more and have a few more sort of, um, kind of surprise episodes, I suppose. One of the reasons we wanted to do the chorus by itself as an, as an episode was that it's very hard from a week to week basis to, to kind of, you know, work out what you're gonna do with the chorus and assemble it. It's just sort of just a bit too much work, to be honest, in terms of, you know, in terms of capacity. So actually kind of then just concentrating it into one episode kind of showed us what we could 
start to play around with. And I think that, you know, there were five different approaches to it. And it was amazing to think about how you could take from each one of those and now try to include those as we go on. And I'm hoping that we're going to increase our ensemble up to maybe like 60, 70 actors by the, by the end of this. And um, yeah, and we've got a couple of, couple of Homer episodes just to keep Joel calm. <laughs> but he, you know, he, I, he, can't play, he can't play the sort of the, the innocent in those episodes. <laughs> well, then I'll just revert to I'm just an American. Uh, <laughs> no, so I, I mean, when Paul says at the end of this, he means we're gonna, we are going to get through all the, all the tragedies that we have, the one Seder play, another comedy. Um, we're going to dramatize some Homer here and there. And I think our plan uh, is to end with uh, Aristophanes' frogs, um, if that works. And so one of the things going on here in the background is there's a whole crew supporting the effort at the Center for Hellenic Studies. So part of this is, Lana, how long do you guys want to keep up this partnership? Um, because Paul's well, pretty ambitious. <laughs> no, I mean, we're... We're committed to, to the end of December, but beyond that, you know, I, I would love, maybe not on a weekly schedule, but um, I, I could see so many different things happening. I would love to explore um, plays that are adaptations or receptions of the original tragedies, things that have not been performed very often or are kind of obscure, uh, obscure scripts and bringing those to life again. I think that would be a, a great resource for faculty to get more students interested in how different communities have responded to these dramas um, and, and just again promote promote those works that I don't think get performed very often. And another direction, the, the chorus episode showed us the benefit of focusing on a, a certain topic, having a thematic episode, and I think that's another way that we could, we could grow the series if we wanted to focus on different characters and how they're represented through different dramas. That's, that would be another option. We did a lot of brainstorming for that course episode before we, we decided that's what the theme would be. So those are two options. I think, I think the idea is just that it's really fun. The weekly schedule is brutal, so maybe we wouldn't carry that on forever, but I think we definitely want chances to get the gang back together again in the future. Yeah, I think it's it's such a strong gang that it, it would feel like a shame to disband them. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there will be something, and I agree, possibly monthly, um, happening online. But then I'd also sort of hope that we can get to a point where things can happen in person as well. Because it would be amazing for some of these people who have met online and sort of already created great work online to then see sort of how do you how does that translate to then being in a room and creating a production and, and maybe touring that production as well that's something that I would love to do with this ensemble that's um, that's growing and growing and I suppose um, one other thing sort of just to mention as well that we're doing and picking up on the idea of it being a, an educational outreach is that you know we're kind of keen to see how we can include more people within the project and we're we're running a few outreach competitions in connection with that so that we're going to have competitions um, in the UK and the US for students um, of various ages to kind of film scenes from Medea and then kind of be involved in the project. And we're hoping as well to go to launch a competition in Greece them doing the same um, thing. So we sort of, we kind of want to open up as, as much as possible to, to people um, and include more and more. And I think we are very conscious of the fact that we built this out of our own need to do something at sort of at a real critical time in our lives. Um, and a lot of what's going to happen will be dictated by how the world changes over the next few years. 
Will we get a vaccine? Will we be able to go back to normal? And how will people respond to this? Will it be used in the classroom? Will they want us to do more? I mean, we're all learning a lot about how to work in Zoom, how to perform in Zoom, and about tragedies. Um, so my responses are almost always institutionalized, like how will I use this in the classroom? We should publish something on it. But I think the important thing to take away is, as Paul said, we're building like real relationships that aren't just grounded in our institutions. Um, and for me, that's one of the most important things. And I really do hope that we'll be able to travel again someday and uh, we can meet everybody in person and we could see where this takes us next, right? I'm really open to that serendipity at this point. Um, and I think seeing, you know, the chaos and death around us um, only emphasizes for me more that, you know, we have to be open um, to those things when they come to us. Thank you, everybody. Uh, really wonderful to, to hear you talk through your process and with several more months to go to. So we'll be following very closely to see where you go next, uh, including those full length readings you mentioned, um, as well as some comedies, a bit of Homer as well. All very exciting stuff. You all spoke about this idea of pushing performance constraints and recalibrating expectations of, of both online media and the plays themselves. And I think our listeners would agree that we've all learned a huge amount from these performances and those interspersed discussions as well. I'd strongly recommend that our listeners check out previous recordings. They're all available on YouTube or on the Out of Chaos website. If you're listening to this on the day of publication and you'd like to join the live stream this Wednesday, that'll be Electra. Head to the Centre for Hellenic Studies homepage to join that. That's chs.harvard.com. .edu. Uh, you can check out Out of Chaos at outofchaos.co.uk forward slash Greek tragedy. And if you want to speak to Joel, as mentioned on Twitter, that's at Scent Antique. Uh, if you want to make Paul <laughs> feel a little less lonely on Twitter as well, uh, I highly recommend you tweet him at Words of Chaos. And the Centre for Hellenic Studies is at Hellenic Studies. Do check out the APGRD website as well. We'll have pictures of the posters that we discussed so that you can have an idea of the imagery that our guests were discussing. Um, thank you so much, all three of you, for a wonderful discussion. And I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you.